This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, I, I wish that we were in person today uh, having this, this conversation, but um, I, I didn't feel that we should wait and uh, really sense that the timing was, was right uh, on the back end of Acts. Um, I really just felt like what needed to be said today uh, fit well with what we, we read in Acts, um, which, which one of the, the primary themes that we, we see in Acts is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the invitation to be adopted into the family of God was, was sent by Jesus himself to all people in all places. Um, and that we now, as Christians, are his representatives with the same message and the same love for all people. Uh, and so uh, there's, there's no doubt at this point that everyone has, has heard of and unfortunately most likely seen the video of what happened uh, in, in Minneapolis this last week with uh, the horrendous and wicked um, killing of George Floyd. Um, there, there is no doubt and there is no way to, to say anything other than it was wrong and evil. And, and the, it was over the top and in no way um, appropriate for law enforcement uh, or for anyone to treat another human being that way. And so uh, that, that needs to be stated um, that, that it was evil and it was sin uh, and that God is opposed to those actions and anyone um, who is a Christian and, and whether you're a Christian or not, if you're human, um, should stand up against that. It is not appropriate. Let me also say that the answer to racism is not policism. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's a word, but I, I didn't really know what else to call it. Uh, if, if racism is the belief that a different race is, is lower and less than, then policism would be the belief that, that the police officers are, are lower and less than. Um, and, and so that's not the answer either. Now, I, I, don't, I don't support um, what, that officer, what this officer did. And if, if a police department is corrupt, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be stood up against. But at the same time, we don't want to just cast one big, you know, swiping statement against all police officers. I have friends who are police officers. I'm sure you do as well. And, and we know that the actions of, of one or even an entire department, hypothetically, um, don't speak for all officers. And so we don't want to just say, oh, well, this is now the answer. Um, the police officers uh, that, that I know, I'd say 99% of them are, are seeking to protect and do what is right and are for us. And we need to support them and stand with them as well. Um, and so it, it's tough. It's tough and it's messy and it's complicated. And, and the, the root problem runs really, really deep. And the root problem runs even deeper than, than race. Um, I mean, we, we, we've seen it throughout our country and throughout our history. Uh, we see it in, yes, in race with, with Ahmad Arbery and with the 
um, white supremacist movements that happened in Charlottesville and around the country. But we've also seen it uh, in attacks like in Orlando a few years back at the, uh, the Pulse nightclub. Um, we, we see it in attacks that happened in Las Vegas, the, the shooting at a country music festival. Uh, but we also see it in uh, sex trafficking or in um, children forced into, in, into being soldiers. We see it in corruption in the government and in businesses. And the, the, the root problem that runs beneath all of this is pride. It's the, the belief that one human is better than another. It's the belief that um, others are inferior to, to who we are. This is the problem that runs, runs beneath it all. This is the, the poison that, that corrupts the actions that occurred in the last week and, and that we've seen from the beginning of time. And what's important for us to recognize is it's not just a problem for, for them. It's not just a problem for those that, that we are able to clearly identify, such as what happened. It's a problem that runs in each of us. And, and we have to start there first. We have to address what runs within each of us first, that the poison of pride, it, 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 it perpetuates all of us. Whether it, it, it happens in, based on skin color, or whether that pride comes out in uh, socioeconomic status, or in gender, or in, in clothing styles, or in music preferences, or religious conviction, or sexual preferences, or choice of career, or accent, or parenting style, or gosh, we can fill in the blank. But we are all prone to the pride of preference, of self over another. We're all prone to, 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 have, to find ourselves believing that, that we are better, that our way is better than another. And we're all prone to look down on another person based on fill in the blank. Right? Fill in what it is. So we can't just chalk it up to racism or sexism or classism. We, we can't chalk it up to these big, these big isms because it's, it's easy for us, I think, to let ourselves off the hook. And then we just perpetuate the problem. We have to start in our own hearts, in the own sinfulness of, of, of what's going on inside of us, and address our own pride first. We've, we've got to start there. The first step to, to change taking place, to seeing racism uh, dwindled down and eradicated, to seeing genderism removed, the first step starts here. It starts with me and it starts with you and it starts with us addressing our own sinful tendencies of pride to look down on others. Um, I'll be honest and admit a couple places that that's natural for me, that that's, that's easy for me. Um, if, if I view someone as lazy, uh, it's really easy for me to, um, to, to just remove respect, to kind of look down on, on that person and say, gosh, they're, they're lazy. Like the reason that it is what it is is because they're lazy. And if they would just do their part, if they would contribute, if they would, you know, stop, you know, letting me or others do their work for them, then we'd all be better. 
And so it's really easy for me and my pride to look down on someone that I view as, as lazy. Uh, another area that my pride tends to, tends to rise up is when I see an adult acting like a child. If I see someone that is an adult that I believe is acting childish, um, it's really easy for me to look down on that person and to, to judge them and to assume that I'm better than them. Um, now, I may be right in some of my judgments and you may be right in some of your judgments for other things, but, but what is never right is to, to look down on someone because I've got my own suitcase full of baggage that I'm bringing to the table as well. You know, we all have our baggage that we're bringing to the table. My baggage just may look different than your baggage. It may look different than that person's baggage. And, 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 and so we always have to start with ourselves, with the pride that is inside of our own hearts. Either we will intentionally kill the pride in us or our pride will kill others, figuratively and as we've seen in this last week, literally. But let's make sure to call it first and foremost what it is. It's pride. It's the preference of self over another. It's believing I'm better than you. I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, whatever it is, my preference, my style, my person is better than you. And that has to die that has to be pulled out of us, that poison has to be removed in order for health and life to flourish. So how does that happen? Uh, I, I, I wanna end today by giving just some practical things that, that I, you know, in what I've read and listened to, it's not an extensive list by any means, but it's just some practical things that I think would be important. But before we get to the practical, before we get to what we do with our, our hands, we, we've got to address our heart. And the, the only way I believe for pride to fully be um, dealt with and handled is when the love of Jesus Christ, demonstrated by his humility toward us, when it seeps in and permeates the depths of who we are, it can uproot the pride that is deep within and push it out. Only the love of Christ, humbly demonstrated toward us, when it grips the depths of our heart, can get beneath the pride that runs so deep and start to push it out and to, to, to remove that pride and replace it with love. Love is the answer. True, genuine love, humbly demonstrated toward others. In 1 John we, we see that we love because he first loved us. That our love towards others, our love towards justice, our love towards what is right is, is motivated by a true and genuine love that first comes from God. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who, do, who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It is impossible for us to love God and not love our brother. It is impossible 
for us to, to say we love God, but not demonstrate our love towards one another. And where this starts to get really tricky is that Jesus tells us that our love towards others is not just meant to be towards those like us, towards those that we agree with. Our love towards others is to be towards those that, that are our enemies, that are actively doing harm against us. Jesus says to love them by actively doing good, to seek their best, to seek what is right and what is just. Listen, God is love. And his love is for the whole world. God so loved the whole, the whole world. It's for all people in all places. It's for every, every tongue and tribe and nation. God's love is for all. And we oftentimes look at at our mistakes from a, from a human perspective. But, but when compared to God, when compared to His holiness, all people have fallen short of His glory. All people have sinned and separated ourselves from God. And yet God so loves all people that He moved near to us in love through Jesus. That, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood to be our servant and to, be, uh, to humble Himself and to, to love us in humility. And that's for, that's for all people. There, there's no one that, that Jesus' love didn't come for. No one. No, no gender, no race, no story, no background. He came and, and he opened up the door and invited all people in all places into a relationship with him. And then in Acts chapter 1, what we see Jesus do is he commands us to go likewise and to take the hope of Jesus to all people in all places. He says in verse 8 of chapter 1, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That, that's, Jerusalem is, is the people that are like them. But he says, You will be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in the surrounding cities and demographics, in Samaria. The, those were the people that were their natural enemies, that they were, they were hostile with. And he says, but you're not only going to go to those people, you're going to go beyond that to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, he tells his followers, you are to take my love. You are to be my representatives to all people in all places. It doesn't matter what their tongue is or their, their, their background or their race or their gender. All people are worthy of receiving the invitation of life in Christ. And so we see that in Acts chapter 1. And, and what, what I love in Acts is that we see that played out. So in, in chapter 3, Peter, he, he's, he's preaching and he says, he says in verse 19, he gives this invitation, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that your sins may be forgiven, that your sins may be washed away. And that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Peter gives this invitation to the crowd. And he says, hey, turn away from your sins. And return to a relationship with the, with, with the God of the world. That, that times of refreshing would come in his presence. And so we, we see this invitation from Peter. And we're like, man, that's great, Peter. But here's what blows me away about this invitation. is who it was given to. If we go back a few verses in chapter 3 of Acts to verse 14. The, the audience that Peter is giving this invita invitation of forgiveness to, the audience that Peter is extending the good news of Jesus to, 
is this, verse 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Peter is speaking to the very ones who killed Jesus. And the invitation to those people is repent. Turn back to Christ and receive forgiveness for the very sin of murdering the one who offers you forgiveness. See, this invitation of love, this invitation to come into a relationship with God is offered to the very ones who killed the author of life. Like that, if they are given the invitation for forgiveness, there's no one that's outside of this invitation. No one. We see further when, when Jesus, he, he saves Paul. Paul was actively persecuting Jesus and the church. In, in Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to arrest more people who are Christians when Jesus shows up and moves near and loves and says, no, no, Paul, you're going to be mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the love that I have for you and what I have done to save you. In the gospel, the good news of life in Jesus, it goes to Paul. And then in Acts chapter 10, one of the, the most gosh, powerful chapters in the Bible is when the gospel then goes outside of the Jewish people to the Gentiles. For, for hundreds of years, God's method of bringing hope was through the nation of Israel. And, and so the, these Peter and, and the other leaders, that's all they knew was, what, was that the, the gospel came to the Jews. But now God is saying, okay, listen, it's not just for the Jews. It's for all people in all places. And the gospel comes to the Gentiles. It comes to those that they never thought it was meant for. And God says, of course it is. It's meant for all people in all places. You see, it says here in, in chapter 10 of Acts, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. P Peter, his eyes are opened to see that God's love is not just for a select group of people, that God shows no partiality, but that there's an open seat at the table for anyone and everyone to come and to explore who Jesus is, and that the only requirement to sit at the table with Jesus in relationship for all of eternity is faith. It's not works. It's not a race. It's not a language. It's not that my previous life was clean enough that I'm going to be accepted. It is simply faith in Jesus alone. And anyone and everyone is given that invitation. God shows no partiality to who you are, but you are invited to a relationship with Jesus by faith in him. His work will forgive our sins and make us right. His life, his death, his resurrection is what brings us the chance for a new life with God forever. There's no partiality. And if God shows no partiality, then neither should we. Neither should we. Now, if you're like me, this may be a message that you've heard your entire life. It may be something that you've heard so many times and so many times. And, and if you're like me, you, 
you may, you may think that I'm, I'm deserving of this invitation. I'm deserving of this seat at the table with Jesus. I'm a good person. I'm, I'm an American. I was born into a Christian family. Whatever it may be, you may think that there's some reasons that make us worthy of this seat at the table with Jesus. But where humility starts to work its way deep into our hearts is when our eyes are open to realize we are not worthy. We are the outsiders. We, we are the, the other nation. We are the other race. We are the, the, the different tongue that, that wasn't initially a part, but Jesus came and opened the door for all people to come and to have a seat at the table with him. Look, if, if, if we're being really honest, the, the, these men and women that initially trusted Jesus, their skin color was a lot different than mine. Their skin color was a lot different. This started in the Middle East. It started not in America. It's not a, a white religion or a black religion or, or, or whatever. It, it, and yet Jesus bursts open the door and says, it doesn't matter. Anyone and everyone is invited to come have a seat at the table with me by faith in Christ. He is the head. And underneath him, all people in all places, all nations and tongues and tribes come together and unite together as family. What we have to realize, what, what begins to really change and pull pride out of us is knowing that I was the sinner actively in opposition to Jesus. And he came and he gave his love for me. He humbled himself for me to lift me up. He laid himself down in order that I could be lifted up. What I have to realize is that he was rich and I was poor, and yet in love for me, he gave up his wealth so that I who was poor could be made rich and he would take the seat of poverty. Only for God to exalt him after his resurrection. See, Jesus led the way with humility. Jesus laid down his life for me and for you and for every person, every man, woman, child, every race and nation, Jesus came in love to bring life and to open up a seat at the table for all people in all places. When we realized that we were the outsider brought in, that we had no right and yet Jesus invited us nonetheless, when that sinks in deeply, it's really difficult to look down on someone else. It's really difficult to look down in pride when Jesus, the one who was rightfully above me, chose to lower himself instead. That has to sink in. This is the true message of hope, of life, of the gospel, good news of salvation for all people. This, I believe, is the key that will begin to bring change to racism and classism and sexism and any other kind of discrimination. It's the love of Christ that tears down these dividing walls of hostility and unites all people in all places into one family under our one Father and Lord. But it has to start there. It has to start there. Has this, has this message, 
Has it sunk into your heart? Has it sunk into your soul? Have you received the good news of Jesus? It's a free gift. It's a free gift right here, right now. Whoever you are, whatever your story is, whatever your race is, whatever your gender is, whatever your status is, whatever it, it, drop all of those labels. Have you received the forgiveness that is in Jesus Christ alone and the life that comes from his resurrection? Have you received that? So, practically now, what do we do? What do we do to, to bring change, to take steps forward? Look, this is complicated and messy, and I, I, I'm sure everything that's said, we can find a dozen different angles to look at it and try to pick it apart. Uh, this, these next 10 things are by no means the end-all, be-all but these are practical things that I want to apply in my life that I believe God calls us to and that I truly believe will help bring change to the world around us. So what do we do? Um, number one, start with yourself. But before we look to policy, before we look to a movement, before we look to others, before we look to anything else, we have to start with the pride in our own hearts. If we think that that, that this issue over here will end, but we don't address the issue in our own hearts, we're just gonna perpetuate a different issue. We have to start with pride in our own hearts. We have to start with the question, do I love others as Jesus loved me? Do I love others as Jesus has loved me, the outsider, the outcast, the, 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 the rebel? Jesus moved near to me in love, is that how I treat other people, all people? Do I move near them in love? Nothing will change unless it starts here. Unless it starts with you and me willing to confess and repent from our own pride. We're just going to see it continue. So, so don't look outside of you first. Start here. Let's start with ourselves and let's start with our own pride. Second, we've got to get the log out of our own eye. I mean, Jesus said that so often we want to we address the, the speck in our brother's eye while not dealing with the plank that is sticking out of our eye. We're so quick to look over there and point fingers and, and not turn around and look inward and address our own sinfulness. I'm a firm believer that in every conflict, both sides of the table are bringing something to the, to the conflict. And, and it may only be 1% of the argument, but nonetheless, it's 1%, and we need to address that 1% wholeheartedly. So we've got to start with ourselves. We've got to stop believing that we're the right ones and start working on our own sinfulness first. We've got to get the log out of our own eye first. Three, we've got to lead with grace. We've got to lead with grace. That, that doesn't mean that you sit down and be quiet. That doesn't mean that you don't stand up for what is right. God got angry with injustice. God got angry with sinfulness. He, he, was, he was righteous and holy, and he expected that. But we lead with grace. We lead with love. We lead with compassion. We lead with humility. We, we live in a day where to disagree means to hate which is totally not true at all. Not true at all. Let's think about a family, right? Like I disagree with people in my family all the time, but I love them and they know that. 
It's okay to disagree, but we have to lead with grace and love and compassion. Then we can actually come to the table with our disagreements and work through them. But we have to lead with grace. We have to make it safe for people to honestly voice where they are. We have to make it safe for someone to say they have questions or doubts or struggles or that this hurts or that this is not right. We have to make that safe. Lead with grace or we'll never move forward. Listen and learn, number four. We've got to listen and learn both sides of the table. Come to the conflict, come to the the topic at hand, committing to listen and learn from the other person first, committing to understand where the other person is coming from. So often, a, a person just wants to be understood. They want to know that the other person across the table, even though they disagree, understands them and is listening and is caring. We can make so many strides forward if we'll just come to the table and listen and learn from one another. We've got to listen and learn. It's huge. It's huge. We're going to shut things down right away if we're unwilling to do that. Intentionally take proactive steps towards new people. Intentionally take proactive steps towards new people. Listen, we've got to realize that there's a difference in not hating someone and actively loving them. There's this middle ground that, that we think is okay, and, and it's, it's not. There's a difference like, oh, I don't hate that person, but I don't love them. That, that, there, there's a difference in that. We have to take steps towards love in the same way that Jesus did. He actively moved near to us. That's going to be uncomfortable at first. Any change, anything new is uncomfortable. Right? If I start eating vegetables and I don't like vegetables, that's going to be uncomfortable at first. But then there's going to come the day when I actually like the vegetables, right? So we've got to take steps into the uncomfortable. We've got to be okay with that. Meet someone new. Just walk across the room and ask their name. Learn their name. Gosh, there's so much power in knowing someone's name. Learn someone at, at church, at work, at school, at the park. Just go meet somebody. Uh, invite someone into your home for a meal. Invite your neighbor into your home. No matter what their, their you know, culture is, invite them in. Learn from each other. Share life together. Join, um, be a part of somewhere, somewhere new with different people that aren't like you. Join a gym. Join a book club. Um, go to, uh, be a part of a sports team or uh, you know, a rec center. Go somewhere and, and be around people who are different, who are not like you. You've got to take pro- proactive steps towards new people. Number six, celebrate diversity. We, we, we've probably heard, and I think we're, we're getting away from this phrase, you know, like, I just want to be colorblind, you know, that, that I don't want to see different races. We're all just, you know, we all bleed, you know, red blood, and, and, and we do all bleed red blood. But color and race and diversity and difference, that's beautiful. Like that's a beautiful tapestry of different colors coming together. The world would be so bland if it was just one color. God didn't design things to be just one color. He designed it to be multicolor, multiracial, multigenerational, and diverse. Heaven is going to be a conglomeration of every tongue, tribe, and nation. If you don't like diversity, you're going to hate heaven. Because that's going to be eternal, one family, diverse, with different tongues and, and, and celebrations and cultures, but all pointing and worshiping God. That's where the beauty comes in. Where we can unite together as family, as brothers and sisters, 
while completely different, but united under the name of Jesus. We've got to celebrate diversity. Don't, don't squash it. Don't push it away. My culture matters, and so does yours. Your history matters, and so does mine. Let's bring them together to celebrate, to celebrate what God has created. Number seven, hold on loosely to your preferences. Gosh, the number of conflict and, and disagreements and churches that fall apart because we hold on so tightly to our preferences. That pride of preference. We don't want to let go of it. There's nothing wrong with preferences. I like things a certain way. You like things a certain way. That's normal. That's natural. That's fine. But we've got to hold on loosely to those. They're not ultimate. They're not superior. My preferences are not better than yours. Yours are not better than mine. They're just different, and that's okay. But if we hold on loosely to them, then we can flex together and move together towards a common good. We've got to hold on loosely to our preferences. Number nine, give the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best in people, right? Like assume that, that people are trying their best. We're so quick when, when someone does something, you just judge, write it off, got it, done. They're out. Give the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best if we can. Right? Like, like move on past things that we can move on past. Number eight, or number nine, I'm sorry. As a church, as a person, as a family, Seek to create an open seat at the table for all people. Be very intentional. Be very thoughtful. Be very mindful. Be very practical and proactive in creating an open seat for all people. Again, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be disagreement. Every family has disagreement. You're still family. We, we want to create an open seat and a safe place to come and for it to be okay to not be okay, but we're not going to let you stay there either, right? We, we want to have that open seat for all people. We want to love all people well. And so we want to create that culture of hospitality and of welcoming. And number 10, and this is the last on, on my list, and again, there's plenty of lists out there, but 10 is probably a good place for me to start, maybe a good place for you to start. Two wrongs don't make a right. We know that. We've heard that growing up. Two wrongs don't, don't make a right. Under no circumstance should we respond to hate with more hate. One ism is not going to be solved by a different ism. We, we can't respond to violence with violence. It's, it's not going to make a positive and make it right. We're just going to beat each other down. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral questions of our time. The need for man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to oppression and violence. Man must evolve for all human conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Look, I'm not saying don't speak up. I'm not saying don't protest. I'm not saying don't let your emotions out. I understand those places where you, you almost feel you and literally can't stop what's flowing out of you anymore. But I am saying as best as we can, we have got to respond with love. We've got to respond with compassion and grace and gentleness. 
God is a God of justice. And so we seek justice and we fight for what is right, but we do so in love. We do so for what is best for all people, even those who are perpetuating the violence. We want the best for them too. And so we, we respond with love and care and compassion and what is best for all. We all know that there's a problem. We don't, we don't have to watch the news for that anymore. We don't have to engage in you know, needless social media rants. We don't have to, you know, we know. We know there's a problem. But let's be a people who stand up and first say the problem starts with me and I will do whatever I can do to remove the pride that's in my heart so that if nothing else in the world changes, this person will change by the love of Christ in me. The love of Christ that humbled himself to come and lift me up. I will seek Jesus in the humility of Jesus to humble myself and lift others up, all people in all places. I promise you this. If every person who happens to be hearing this says, okay, I will start with me. And I will ask the Lord to seek me and to search me and to pull out any form of pride and it will start with me. I promise you, if it starts with just us, change will begin to happen. The ripple may start small, but then it will build and build and build and build. May the love of Christ compel us and grip us deeply and sink deeper than the deepest form of pride and may Christ's love and humility begin to uproot the pride within us and may it start with us. And then, truly believe we'll see change around us. I love you. I pray that you're encouraged. I pray that you're challenged. I pray that you won't be silent. But more than anything, I pray that the love of Christ will start in each one of us. And that love will then begin to move outward. Let's pray. <sighs> Greater love has no, none than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus, what amazes me is that you lay down your life even for enemies. That you were face to face with your oppressors. That, that you looked them in the eye and they looked you in the eye. Jesus, and they assaulted you and betrayed you and abused you and your response to them was father forgive them they don't know what they're doing god your love is for all people in all places and you demonstrate that love that while we were still sinners while we were the oppressors while we were the hostile ones, while we were the ones doing violence and wrong against your holy name, you moved near to us in love. 
You voluntarily stepped on the front lines. You took the blows. So that love could win. Holy Spirit, would you take this truth of love, this truth of the gospel, and would you bring it deep into our souls, that change would begin inside of us by the love of Christ. We're not able on our own, we're too, we're too sinful and selfish, our pride runs too deep. But you are able. Would you do that work in us? God, there's countless people hurting around the world today. We could run the list of why, but there's hurt and pain and suffering and injustice. We pray for comfort and for peace and that you would embolden us and empower us to be the agents of that peace. Thank you for loving us and inviting us in. Thank you for making a seat at the table for me, the outsider, the outcast, the rebel. You are our only hope, and we pray that you will make yourself known. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you, um, would you be quiet and be still for just a minute? Would you, would you ask the Lord to search your own heart and to reveal to you anywhere that pride is present? Would you ask for the courage and strength to confess that and to repent from it? That humility and love would start with us and that the steps we take forward will be done out of love and humility toward others. Take a second um, and just listen for God's voice and to respond to him. Thank you, God, for your love. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.